Hello there and welcome to the Alstein Film Podcast where we talk film, TV, games and all that jazz like there's no tomorrow. This week we're talking about Thor 2011's original Thor film. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. Hey, hello there. I'm still trying to work on the my introduction. I, I need to be like cool. It's like, hey, it's me. Was <laughs> I can hear you then. So for me it was just, I'm joined with my co-host John and then just like, silence it's like oh silence so yes four i mean this is it this is the beginning of our kind of look back at the three thor films before we get thor love and thunder and yes before anyone notices i still sound like shit so there we go yeah Thor. wow 2011 that that's the year it came out that's that's crazy you know so long like, ago this is a this is the first MCU film that I ever saw at the cinema. My first one was Thor The Dark World, so... Really? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I have I have so much nostalgia for this film. Like, I really, really like this. And I don't know if it, it's because it's genuinely good or just because I have loads of nostalgia for it. But genuinely, I think Thor is really underappreciated. I think people don't really give it enough love and attention. And this might be my favourite of the series so far. I mean, obviously, we're going to watch the dark world and ragnarok in the coming weeks but like oh this is this is my favorite I, I i genuinely think so i really yeah really there's, like it yeah there's a lot of emotion and a lot of scenes that i've completely forgot about you know like mm. <laughs> i mean apart from like chris hemsworth's like blonde oh my god eyebrows yeah yeah like I mean, that I, is I just, what a choice that was what a choice that was and the music oh my god the oh, music is just dude. amazing like, yeah, there are there are so many. Like, I would say this film has one of the best MCU romances in it, and I think that there period. are some really yes. nice scenes where Jane and Thor are together, and the music is so sweet and tender, and it really sells uh-huh. this romance between them. But also, there's like this epic moments, like when Thor catches his hammer at oh. the end, and he like becomes Thor again. It is one of the best scored moments in the MCU, and he begins making that tornado. And like so themes from like the past like, motifs come back. And honestly, Patrick Doyle knocked out of the park this score. And I'm, it's a real shame that he didn't do The Dark oh, World man. or Ragnarok. Ah, oh, dude, like the music that, that just swells up when Thor gets the hammer. And then yeah. oh, that, that speech when he talks to Odin, like, I'm sorry, oh father. And then like talks about like what he's done and realizes that what he's done. And that's a great character arc, like to end with yeah. that. Yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah, obviously, obviously, recently we talked about Doctor Strange, and I think a lot of the time in the MCU we get this very similar narrative of the hero who is arrogant and self-centered and does something wrong and, and, and has a chance to look at themselves and becomes humbled. And I think this, along with Iron Man, is probably the best it is in the MCU. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the way that he is such a like narcissistic big-headed guy who just waltz into Jotunheim and just causes so much chaos and the way that the Odin yells at him and really like you know takes his hammer and, and he strips his his armor and he casts him out the opportunity to bring him down onto earth literally and have him kind of learn these lessons is such a great arc for him I love the scene where he you know where he he enters the shield base and he gets the hammer oh and he yeah tries to pick it up, he tries to pick it up and he can't and it's a and it's a real like you know, moment where he gets to look at himself and when when Loki visits him, he realizes what he's done. Even though Loki's lying, he sees, you know, the the kind of hubris that he has been exuding this whole time. Yeah. And this is like the early days of the MCU in like 2011. And mm. 
we saw being this Norse god and you know how it's gonna integrate into the MCU. This is well done with like with the guards with like Loki and Thor and that whole impact of like Thor as as this arrogant guard and then realizes what you know what he's done and then Loki being the trickster. This is a great way of like introducing Loki. Um, oh, it's in, so in good. Film. And like how he tricks Thor that you know Odin is dead, and this like mm. sets up with this great arc: is he worthy or is he not? So I really like that, you know, like how he's going to set that up towards the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is that amazing scene where Loki goes into Odin's vault and he takes oh, the yeah. the casket and he becomes a frost giant and he confronts his dad about it. And he yells at him, like, you know, this is why this is why I've always felt like unloved. This is why I've always felt second best, because you think I'm this monster. And, you know, he says, like, no matter how much you claim to love me, you couldn't have a frost giant sitting on the throne of Asgard. And it's amazing that he, he even says it himself. He doesn't want to be king. He never wanted that. He just wanted people to appreciate him and not just kind of talk down to him. And it's such a good like it's no wonder Loki became so popular from this and Avengers because he's such a tragic character who only wants simple things and you know is forced to become a trickster just because of the way that people treat him mm. and it's a really interesting journey for Loki you know like how it spans across the entire MCU from 2011 to 2018 like that's a crazy journey for like you know exploring this character who is so tragic and he loses everyone and he loses himself in 2018 with infinity war like he has this arc you know like he wanted to you know protect others you know like you kind of see that in ragnarok and then he tries to you know he saves thor and then loki the tv show that's a great way of seeing a new fresh villain of loki from 2012 for the avengers and then seeing that whole thing you know how that is turned and Loki in this film is such an interesting character. Interesting character. So uh, I'm glad they introduced that because it's a great way of like seeing the dynamic between Thor and Loki. You know, like they have two diff- different goals, and then Loki wants to be king, and then Thor wants to be worthy, and it's a great way of seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think they both definitely come from different sides, and it, this film is so. Shakespearean in the way that it is you know this kind of family drama and I feel like it's the most godly like this is the time where all the Asgardians and all the different characters feel like they are gods they're talking as if they are so and I think that Kenneth Branagh the director he shows so much love for the source material in this film like you see in Belfast which is his recent film incredible film by the way everyone should watch it but it's based off his life and the kid who's like playing him reads a Thor comic at some point and watching this and and knowing how important Thor was to him as a kid I can see that he has so much care for this and I think this is amazingly shot I think it looks beautiful I think it it is as grand as it needs to be like even in Thor's coronation when he's got the helmet on and the music is swelling. I feel like there is so much attention brought to it. And it really does bring these characters to life. They don't feel like just quip machines. And this is a funny film as well. There are some really funny moments. Yeah. Like, it doesn't just feel like the standard MCU quipping that you get these days. It feels more organic than that. And, and it genuinely feels like there is that care and attention put into these characters who feel different from Iron Man, feel different to Captain America. And all. as I said in the Avengers video that we did a couple of weeks ago, Every corner of the MCU at this point is so vastly different from each other. I think you you see that in this. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, with the comedy and it's 
natural like yeah as you said it's organic you know like when thor grabs you know the smug in this yeah in this <laughs> diner and he drinks it and he's like mm, delicious and he just throws yeah the on the floor. he's like another one and then that's just great like you know if they could have like worked on the comedy for thor like a bit better it's a bit weird like later on in thor ragnarok it's a bit too much i mean it's great in thor ragnarok but it, it, the comedy is good but then you know how is that going to work for that journey for you know like Thor Love and Thunder and it's a great character you know like he's this arrogant god and then he tries to learn about earth and then tells everybody that he's a god and then tells about like the nine realms it is nine realms yeah nine realms and there's a great scene I liked when Thor talks to Jane about like the nine realms and the music like he goes to like all the nine realms it was so good and then like the show's Asgard and like flipped oh it's an amazing scene I love that yeah I agree Uh, that scene is is so good because you get this this bonding between them as I said I think it's a really good romance that blossoms and then this just this such a quiet and understated moment where Thor just looks at the sky he just looks at the moon and he just remembers his home because you know for him you know obviously for the audience we know that he may he's gonna come, go back but he doesn't he thinks he was never gonna go back and that's so important to him and I think that that is just a really nice way to do it and, and on, on the point of the comedy the comedy it always has something to say about Thor you know and like mm. as you're saying when he smashes that glass that's not just him being you know arrogant it's also him showing you know like when they're like what are you doing he's like oh I didn't mean any disrespect you know I, you know this is what politeness is like this is this is what I'm used to and he kind of you get that humbleness and even in all the ways that kind of he bonds with Selvig and, and all that stuff I think it's really good I will yeah. say the thing that I don't think is quite as good about this film is the side characters. The MCU always struggles with side characters. Uh, yeah. And I think that Darcy and the Warriors 3 and Sif, they're all very underdeveloped. There's a scene at the beginning where Thor, he goes around the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif and he's like, hey, aren't we such good friends? Hey, hey guys, remember how we're such good? It's like, they don't show us that, they just tell us that. And I feel like the film does take a little bit of time to, to really get, like when they reunite at the end, when the Warriors 3 and, and Sif come to get Thor and they reunite, I think it's a really nice scene because we've then seen them bond and we've seen them all miss Thor and want him back and him missing them. I think that the, that is really good. But at the beginning, they're kind of just like, hey guys, we're such good friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we shall fight and fight Halle or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I agree with like, you know, they were underdeveloped. Like Darcy wasn't really, you know, shown to a lot of the film and didn't have a lot of interest for thought because they were just, just, they were just scientists. But then Jane Foster, great side character and great relationship between Thor and Jane. So I really like that. And uh, as I said about like Norse mythology, I liked, wait, was that in the Norse mythology? I'm just trying to think about the the Destroyer because I, i'm not sure it's definitely a comic book thing but i'm okay. not sure if it's actual mythology. Maybe, i think it's a comic book thing but not norse but okay so with comic book thing yeah with the destroyer it's a really cool concept to have like the destroyer in the mcu but with like that whole battle with like thor trying to you know fight against the, the destroyer I, I love the way that they do that with the destroyer kind of mirroring loki and thor's you know plea to him like you know these people are innocent you know what do you gain from taking their lives take mine you know and end this it's such a good 
completion of his arc. It's very similar to the Doctor Strange putting himself in the time loop with Dormammu. Thor just sacrifices himself. Oh, this is, I'm who you want. Take me. It's very simple. But as we said, it then brings that amazing moment where he catches the hammer again. And it really works. And I definitely think that a lot of that final act is so good. Like when he fights Loki in, in, in the Bifrost and he's like, you can't, it's like, this is madness. And Loki's just like, is it, is it really? And, and Loki believes so heavily in what he's doing. I think that's amazing. And mm. how that kind of is furthered to destroy the Rainbow Bridge, to save everyone in Jotunheim, the people who he has hated, the Frost Giants, who he has no reason really to like, other than the fact that they are people too. He destroys mm. the Bifrost. This means he's, he can never go to Earth ever again. I think that it's such a good climax. Obviously ending with Loki killing himself at the end by letting go of, of Odin's spear because he feels like he can never... Tr- I mean, like obviously we know that he doesn't die because he's in many of the MCU movies, but for now, the point kind of is that he thinks that there's never going to be any way that he can be seen and loved and so he kind of lets go. And I think that's just a really, really powerful way to end his arc in this film. Mm, I agree. And then there was some good introductions to some of the characters. Like, they, they, they brought Phil Coulson. Oh, yes, yeah, I they did. Yeah, it was before yeah, uh, Thor, well, right? Yeah. Oh, my this, God, yeah. This oh, all it. takes place in something called Fury's Big Week. Oh, yeah. Which this one. is when Iron Man 2, Thor... Incredible Hulk and the present day scenes of Captain America, the first Avenger take place. So all in a week, the Hulk destroys Harlem. Iron Man nearly dies and then survives. Rhodey becomes War Machine. Thor comes to Earth and then they find Captain America in the ice. Like, what a week. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting like idea. You know, like Fury's big week, like getting all everyone together in, in this whole week. Yeah, I wish they could have did like a little short of like Samuel L. Jackson just like, oh yeah, well, We'll take the big guy. Oh, yeah, we'll take Captain America and then uh, that billionaire. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool Yeah, idea. well, I mean, there, there are a couple of one-shots that kind of tie into this. I think um, uh, there's one called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer, which is about Coulson on his way to, to the hammer. Like, he, he stops at a gas station or something, and then he has to, like, stop some robbery. I don't, I can't remember, but, yeah, that that... Is something that happens. They used to do loads of one shots. Like for every film had a little one shot. I miss that. Good old days. The, when the MCU was simple. When, uh, yes. When when do you, do you remember? I mean, I guess you wouldn't because you didn't see the cinema. But there's a shot. You know, obviously there's the Infinity Gauntlet in Odin's vault. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember when that came out, and like you could see the Infinity Gauntlet. Everybody was like, "Ah, oh, oh my god, is what does this mean?" And then obviously in Ragnarok. They confirm that it's it's just a fake. That would be a really interesting concept, like Thanos arriving in Asgard. Mm, yeah, that would be quite cool, wouldn't it? Like, I mean, maybe if not all the stones were there, but maybe if one stone was there, and Thanos kind of like has to get that, that would be very interesting. Then again, that really cool introduction, that dark introduction of like Infinity War. That oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, that mm. is, I remember. Oh, how... I think it's the same. It's this. It's kind of the same. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the difference is, is that it's it's on a it's on a spaceship instead of on Asgard itself. But yeah, no, it is it is kind of similar. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean that that whole Odin's vault is full of Easter eggs. There's one thing that's supposed to be the Eye of Agamotto. Obviously, they then changed it and have the Eye of Agamotto in in Doctor Strange. But it's a, it's there. Well, that's interesting. You know, like the Eye of Agamotto in in yeah, it's yeah, such, it's such, it's such early days for. 
for the MCU. It's so fun to look back on. I don't, I genuinely think that phase one, people don't really think about it these days, but I think it's, it's really, really underrated. I think this film especially, you know, people kind of like rap on it for its, for, for various reasons. And I just don't think, I just don't see it. I mean, I definitely think that it, I think that the first act is a little bit rough. As I said, it explains things to you rather than showing it to you. The whole sequence on Jotunheim, I'm not a fan of. It's too dark. You can't see what's going on in the fight scene. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, what, what, they're on Jotunheim? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Thor, Loki. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one question, though. How does Loki have those illusionary powers? Did he get trained by it or? Yeah, that's a good question. Because none of the, I mean, obviously, they don't really explain why when Odin finds Loki, he just becomes a human baby instead of a frost giant. That's a bit weird. I don't really know what's going on there or how anyone get, has like powers on, on Asgard. Like maybe it's in the water. Maybe they all drink something. But then again, like Frigga, Thor's mom, doesn't have any powers. And I tell you what, she does nothing. Frigga, in yeah, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but Odin does so much and Frigga's just there. Like, and then in, in Endgame and in The Dark World, Frigga is kind of like a big role because, like, you know, you see that she has quite a connection with Thor and Loki. And it it's kind of a shame she didn't do more in this one. Yeah, I wish there was more of a role for Frigga because I think, you know, she's a really important character. But I think Odin was more of, a you know, the central idea of this whole arc of, like, Thor trying to be worthy again. Yeah, I mean, it, oh. it, it, it's it's all about, you know, fathers and sons and kings and you know, this kind of dynasty. So, like, it definitely fits into those themes. And, oh, I loved the reference of, you know, like, the, the wording on Thor's hammer. Like, yes. whether child professed possess this. Like, that's not even mentioned ever again, unless in Thor, Love and Thunder, you know, like, how Jane Foster well, would get Yeah, get that's interesting, because clearly, judging by Love and Thunder, Mjolnir has been reforged so that's interesting in the comics what's very interesting about the mighty thor comics is that thor is no longer worthy and that's why jane ends up picking up the hammer because nobody else can pick it up and thor kind of goes in his own kind of quest of, of rediscovery whereas i feel like in the mcu thor's already proved himself worthy in endgame when he picks up his hammer when he goes back to 2013 so i do wonder how they're going to appropriate that in love and thunder yeah, I wish they could have done something more for Thor in Endgame. Like, he was fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thor's got a very interesting arc in Endgame. I mean, across the whole MCU, really, he goes through a very... He's been through pain. He's just been through... <laughs> he has been through pain. He he, oh he really does lose everything. But I, I do wonder, when we rewatch these next couple of films, how it's going to how it's gonna have you know changed, whether it will still kind of hold up. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, still here. Uh, I, I, I thought we were going like, oh my god, Tom's gone. I don't know what to do. I'm going to speak. <laughs> oh, this, this is not your show, John. I'm, I'm retiring from the business. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Out of Time Film Podcast. We talk about get, films, games, TV, and all that jazz. My name is uh, John, and with my co-host, um, not John. Tom. I'm John, and my co-host, John, and it's just you talking to yourself for like an hour. <laughs> So, John, how do you think about Thor? Oh, Thor's great. You know what it's like, it was all about? Yeah, yeah, Thor's all about, like, this guy who's arrogant. Maybe, and maybe, I, maybe, maybe I should leave and let you just descend <laughs> into madness. Um, oh, my God. John, what do you mean by this? And then, like, no, 
it's, it's a 10 stop. No, it's not. It's a 9 out of 10. What's going on? Yeah. Anyway, oh so a very I mean, underrated I, film. Definitely. I mean, I feel like before we do our final score, I have one more thing to say. Yes, go on. When I was a kid, I didn't know that the Frost Giants were giants. I'm sorry, but what? they do. They just look like regular sized people. Like, I mean, like, I don't. I, I love the way this film is shot, but I don't think that Kenneth Branagh shoot like shoots the giants as giants. Like, maybe they're not supposed to be, but they're. But that's like it's literally in their name that they're Frost Giants. Like, I'm confused. Oh, I didn't think of that because I just thought they were giants because like the the Frost Giants. I mean, it's Jotunheim. Yeah, it's a very strange concept for that because, you know, like, they look regular people, the, the Frost Giants. And then in Norse mythology, the Frost Giants, they're, they're like the size of the Empire State Building. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, they definitely didn't convey that. I mean, imagine if, if Thor and Loki and the Warriors 3 and Sif all went to Jotunheim and they're like, Luffy, I'm going to have just steps on them. <laughs> just like... I mean, yeah... It- <laughs> that was funny. But I think that the first giants are compared to the size of what's the guy from Ragnarok who uh Thor gets... Oh um oh yeah Serta. Serta, yeah. Serta you Serta, son of a bitch, you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah, Thor. Yeah. What are you gonna give Thor out of ten? An eight or nine. I'm gonna mm. go eight. Yeah, I think eight. Yeah, an eight. It's it's a great film if you it you know really what you is. about Thor and yeah, love it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed it, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you want to see more. We've got so much MCU content. It's coming out of our bloody ears. We did Doctor Strange, both Doctor Stranges in the last couple of weeks in Moon Knight, which is an Avengers, then all the Spider-Man films, all the TV shows. Like there's just so much to sink your teeth into. So please do and stick around with us because in the coming weeks we're going to be doing the Dark World, we're going to be doing Ragnarok, we're going to be Love and Thunder, but next week it's Top Gun Maverick. Ooh, I mean, yeah. 40 years since the original, who, is it going to be good? Who knows? You can also follow us at Twitter and Instagram, at Pod. and if you have any questions or comments about Thor or about anything, give us an email at Pod at gmail.com and we'll answer them on this very podcast. Mm. And I promise that next week I will sound normal again. <laughs> well, it sounds like that you're just trapped somewhere, just like help into this. I'm trapped in, in London. Help me. <laughs> I've actually been watching the Star Wars prequels. I'm having a good time. Ah, good, good, good. A surprise, but a welcome one. Ah. Yes. You must know the memes before you watch the prequels. <laughs> actually, you should do that because that'll be a lot funnier to watch. And you're like, haha, I know that. I know that line. You're like, I have the high ground. You're underestimating my power. And then it's all every every single line in the prequels is just a meme. Yes, <laughs> I don't like sand. <laughs> ah, sand. <laughs> okay, yes. uh, I'm thank- just I'm just waiting for you to finish up now. I'm just like, yes. I'm sorry. Sand. I'm sorry. I'm just sure. I just said this word sand, and that just made me laugh. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we enjoy talking about Thor, and we can't talk. Uh, we can't wait to talk about the other. Thor films. Am I right, Tom? Yay! The Dark World. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Why Christopher, is it considered the worst MCU movie ever? Christopher Eccleston as Oh, the I forgot about Christopher Eccleston. No! I forgot about Christopher. No! Oh, you made me sad now. <laughs> Why would you tell me <laughs> See, that? See, because Eccleston? I don't want to talk about Thor the Dark World. I've been on a first I've been on a huge Dark I've been on a, I've been on a huge Doctor Who kick recently and now I'm sad about Christopher Eccleston.
Uh, it's okay, Tom. You, you can cry right now. Uh, thank you for listening. Be safe. Be good. Take what you're Woo! given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>